Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Tuesday, June 1st, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and at least once a week for the next two months, in advance of the 2021 NBA draft that is scheduled for July 29th, we're going to be dedicating an episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast to a notable prospect, same way we did in advance of last year's NBA draft. We started the series last week with a 22-minute profile of Cade Cunningham. If you missed it and you're interested, go find it. Today, we will turn our attention to another prospect who seems like a lock to go in the top five of the 2021 NBA draft. His name is Evan Mobley. He's a seven-foot center who averaged 16.4 points, 8.7 rebounds, 2.9 blocks, and 2.4 assists in 33.9 minutes per game in his one season at USC. Shot 57.8% from the field. He was the Pac-12 Player of the Year, Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, and Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He was a consensus second-team All-American who led USC to the Elite Eight of the NCAA Tournament. Most mock drafts have him going second or third in this 2021 NBA draft. So let's start with this dead leg. Is Evan Mobley to you clearly, unquestionably, the best big in this draft? Yes, I think that is unquestionable. We agree? I mean, at this point. How about this? How about this for a quick comp, okay? Compare him to a recent big, one he played against and was good against in James Wiseman. To me, Mobley's a more versatile player with a higher upside and a year ago, in a weaker draft class, what's interesting is Wiseman went second. Mobley might wind up going second or third. We mentioned in the previous pod, at least I did. I don't think Mobley is going to go first in this draft because of centers and how they're viewed and how their role is changing uh, by the year. But it is interesting. Like, if you put Mobley and Wiseman, even knowing what Wiseman's out, like, a year ago I would have said the same thing, I think. I would still take Mobley over Wiseman coming out of college, um, and we agree on that. So if, if we agree there, yes, Mobley's got to be the best big available in this draft. I'm with you. Uh, Wiseman went number two in last year's draft of the Golden State Warriors, and I think Mobley is a better prospect than him. If you took them, and forget, if there was a way to erase James Wiseman's rookie season, the injury, mm-hmm. Draymond cussing him out every other possession, um, if you didn't know anything other than what you saw from Wiseman as an amateur, and you put Wiseman and Mobley in the same draft, in this draft, I would still take Evan Mobley over James Wiseman, just because I think Mobley checks most of the boxes for a modern-day big. Great defender as a rim protector, but also when it comes to guarding in space. He's got incredible instincts. Just seems to know where to be and what to do basically at all times. That's on the defensive end of the court. On the offensive end of the court, you know, he can put it on the floor. He can play make off the bounce. He's a better-than-most-realized passer. Evidence being, you know, he did average 2.4 assists per game. That's not nothing. He made 12 three-pointers. So he didn't shoot a lot and didn't shoot a great percentage from uh, from the three-point line, but but he's capable. He shot 46.3% on two-point jumpers, 69.4% from the free-throw line. So those numbers suggest he can, with time, 
be a stretch the floor big. So I'm with you on how centers have been devalued. And it's probably why you don't take a center number one. But at some point, you just take best prospect available. And if it happens to be a center, you would like it to be a center who is built for the modern NBA on both ends of the court. And I think Evan Mobley, not perfect, but he is built for the modern NBA on both ends of the court. He is a prospect whose skills seem fairly obvious even to the layman. I remember watching him at Mohegan Sun in Bubbleville late November at the start of last season when USC flew to Connecticut to play in that event. And I tweeted something along the line. It was within like the first like 15 minutes of the first half. I was like, I've seen enough. Mobley's got no business dropping out of the top three of the 2021 NBA draft. I still maintain that. I mean, at seven feet, he's got a 7'4", 7'5", wingspan. I think he switches ball screens pretty damn well for his size. He can also defend the perimeter uh, extremely competently, in addition to just being a really good shot blocker, both on ball, weak side, all of that. He is a very good modern defender, even given his body type. He like He's a little lithe, GP, but he'll put on pounds. I I just don't see he is a he is a prospect where maybe he's not, you know, an absolute slam dunk, excuse the pun, you know, three, five, seven years in. I don't know, but I I, I am not seeing with him real bust potential. I, he is he is too he is too good defensively. He's not gonna shrink. Shot blockers don't lose that ability. If they're good at the college level, that almost always translates there. And he was wonderful at that. Second most in the country last season. Only Namish Keita out of Utah State, who had two more than Mobley, had more uh, shots swatted. Uh, and obviously our bizarre college troops uh, pandemic-afflicted season. So, yeah, I like him a lot. Will Now, the question is, is he actually – like, he is a center, but is he going to be a center? Like, I think he is this – four or five fusion because he can step out and shoot mid to deep. He shot 40 trays last season, 12 of 40. That's to me, that's fine. Uh, at this level. In fact, Enfield had like, you know, seven transfers on that USC team that took between 40 and 173. So he got enough looks. He wasn't going to be asked to shoot four triples a game. And I don't think he will be at the NBA level either, but I actually think that he'll wind up going second or third in this draft because the team that ultimately selects him will not utilize him the way that Golden State is at least initially trying to utilize James Wiseman. Evan Mobley, because he can switch screens and defend the perimeter, step out, has a reliable, good form on his shot. You see this, and I and I I, I push back against it a little bit, but I, you see like some, like, if he hits the ceiling, it's Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis, uh, similar size, especially coming out of college. Remember what Anthony Davis's body type was when he left Kentucky there? He was the National Player of the Year. Mobley was not. Davis was the clear-cut number one pick in that draft. Mobley is not in this draft, but the idea is that if Mobley can continue to grow a shot, put on a few more pounds. He can be the kind of two-way 4-5 that Davis has become injuries withstanding. You agree with that general assessment? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't put a ceiling on a prospect like this. Again, he checks a, a lot of boxes. You know, you mentioned his ability to, to, to guard in space, which is so important at the NBA level. Now, I've been watching a lot of the NBA playoffs. You know, it, it's Tuesday morning right now. So on Monday night, the late game was Memphis-Utah. And the Grizzlies, once again, competed, but came up a little short. Jonas Valanciunas is the starting center for the Grizzlies. And he has had a tremendous season. He is arguably, I know John Morant's been getting 
all of the attention and deservedly so. He's a future star, if not a current star. But in the regular season, you could reasonably argue that Jonas Valanciunas was the Grizzlies' most valuable player. Now, most people outside of Memphis don't watch the Grizzlies because they're not on TNT or ESPN very often. Um, But if you watched them in the regular season, you could come away going, Jonas Valanciunas might be their MVP. Fast forward to the playoffs where everything is matchup driven and Utah is just putting him in ball screens every possession and he cannot guard in space. He has to drop. And it's just, it's a nightmare. Like you, you need him on the court because of what he brings to the offensive end and his ability to rebound. And he's like really, really, really good, but he can't do that one thing well. And it is getting exposed over and over and over again. Like on Wednesday night, because that's probably the last game in this Utah-Memphis series, watch the game and just watch what Utah does every time they're in a half-court set. They put Jonas Valanciunas in a ball screen, and it's a nightmare for the Grizzlies. I say all that to say, with Evan Mobley, you you can't put him in a ball screen, or at least you can't put him in a ball screen every position and expose him because he's switchable, because he can guard in space. He can guard smaller people um, on the perimeter, and that is a huge asset uh, because – when it comes to the playoffs in the NBA, this has been true for, for several years now. If you can't guard in space, there is a decent chance you get played off the court. Evan Mobley is not the type of center prospect who I think is ever going to get played off the court. Yep, I, I, I agree with that. He, and he can also handle well. You mentioned uh, some uh, his assist numbers. I think he's got really good touch with his passing. Uh, he can pass out of the post well. Even bringing the ball up the floor, he's good at creating his own shot. I remember talking to Enfield in the middle of the season. I went and pulled back one of the quotes he told he uh, he gave me, um, and he actually wound up saying he's more like Anthony Davis was in college than you get. Again, these are not direct comparisons, but he he said he's more like Anthony Davis was in college than Kevin Durant. Now the Durant stuff comes up because he's long, he's lanky, he's got good form on his shot. And although Durant was an insanely good shooter from deep, Mobley is not that uh, defensively in the rebounding numbers. There were some similarities with Durant, but the point that Enfield was making was Durant had many more guard skills. He said he scored 25 a game in college because he could clear out the lane and just get it done. Clear out and do your thing. Evan's different than that. He's more built like Anthony was. And I I think that is absolutely true. Defensively, he's not going to get played off the court. I also give credence to what he was able to do at USC. You know, it was the first time uh, in like three and a half decades USC swept the Arizona schools on the road. They had their best finish in league play in three decades, you know, one of their deepest NCAA tournament runs ever, and Mobley was a huge part of that. So I do think that his impact on that program and and given their success also will have uh, at least an influence on where he ultimately ends up going. I think there's a potential here that he drops out of the top three just because he's a big and you've got these other guards that are in the conversation there. And we can get into that just as we move along with these draft profiles and we get to those other prospects. But for me, I'm still, I'm not on, I'm not fully on this trend that just because you happen to be 6'10 or 6'11, that doesn't mean you're necessarily unworthy of being picked first or second. And hell, for all we know, and I'm not predicting this will happen, GP, but if you told me that Mobley stepped in, immediate impact player, all-star by year number two, and then four years from now, we happen to have another player come up in the grassroots circuit that 
was of a similar mold, similar build. Like, why the hell not? Why can't you take a player like that first overall? You want to take the best available talent. And, yes, what kind of player is going to fit with your with your overall scheme and your roster there? I think Mobley has the potential, again, the potential to be good enough on both sides of the floor, particularly if he puts on a little more weight and can prove to be a reliable shooter, if he is going to be that good, I think maybe his performance and how he bears out might have a little bit of influence on this idea where it's like, okay, for the next decade, no matter what, if you have the number one overall pick, there's no way you're taking anyone that's over you know, 6'9", 6'10", because that's just not how the league is built. I think that's a little bit narrow-minded. And again, as we see, GP, every three to five years, the league continues to evolve in terms of uh, what priorities are put on what players with what skill sets? Well, I don't know that I would uh, label anybody strictly by their height because a six eleven wing is going to be different than a six eleven center. But but I get your point. Um, I wouldn't look this up this morning. Um, I'm with you that I don't believe it's a non-starter. Like you can't take a center number one the way a lot of people say you can't take a running back number one or even in the first round. Now, um, you know if. if if Anthony Davis is available at number one, you take him number one. And clearly that was the right choice um, when New Orleans did that back in 2012. But I will say there's only been six centers taken number one overall since 2004. And only two of them you can reasonably say were the right picks. It's Anthony Davis in 2012. And then in 2004, Dwight Howard. Those were the right picks. Their center's taken first, and you got it right. But in 2005, the number one pick, Andrew Bogut. Should have took Chris Paul. In 2015, this one's debatable. Carl Anthony Towns went number one. Who would you rather have right now, Carl Anthony Towns or Devin Booker? Mm. I think I'd rather have Devin Booker. Probably. Let me uh, Off the top of my head, Booker goes seven. Where'd he go? Devin Booker actually went 13th in that draft behind such uh, prospects as Jaleel Okafor, mm-hmm. uh, Emmanuel Moutier, Frank Kaminsky, Justice Winslow, and Trey Lyles, his teammate. Trey Lyles. I, I, I disagree with that at the time. There's Lyles one I never I never saw there. But a couple of... No, I'm not trying to, 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 to uh, you know rewrite history and say, I knew Devin Booker should have yeah. been number one in front of Carl Anthony Downs. I didn't. I would have got it wrong as well. I'm just saying right. they got it wrong. I, or at least arguably got it wrong. I think I would rather have Devin Booker from the 2015 draft right now than Carl Anthony Towns. And then in 2018, DeAndre Ayton goes number one. Right. Should have took Luka. You should have. Now, Ayton is coming into his own. He's decently. very good. He's not Luka, though. He's not Luka. He's not Luka, for He's sure. Very good. He's but very he, good. But so, yeah. And so there's a, I think there's a distinction to be made here. Your point is that since 04, there's only been two instances in an NBA draft where the center was both taken with the first pick and the center that was taken should have been the number one pick taken. There's a couple of other instances, obviously, where the center was taken first, wasn't the best player in the draft, but was also not this epic mistake like Aiton, for an example, coincidentally enough, playing alongside Booker as they're going against uh, the Lakers right now. But that is out, by the way, 2007, Greg Oden went number one, should have probably taken Kevin Durant. Who It was the... Perfect example of what you're talking about uh, in terms of height, Durant, 6'10", 6'11", you know, and and just clearly just a killer wing, you know, maybe a, when it's all said and done, maybe a top 10 all-time player in NBA history. Odin, what can you do? But yes, that is one of the more infamous um, misfires at number one. So that's why I probably, like, look elsewhere 
at the top of a draft than the center position because the way the NBA is played right now, the center position is never been as um, has never been valued less than it is. And, you know, history is not on your side. So I think actually the, the debate isn't, you know, should you take Evan Mobley or Kate Cunningham number one? I think most people agree you should take Kate Cunningham number one. It's like, okay, now what? Do you go Jalen Suggs mm-hmm. or Evan Mobley? Do you go Jalen Green or Evan Mobley? Do you go Jonathan Kaminga or Evan Mobley? Not necessarily because it's clear to me those players are better prospects. I don't know that they are, but none of those other players, nobody else in, in, in play for the top three or four or five is a, is a center and only a center. Mobley is the only one that checks that box. And, and that's something front offices are going to have to figure out. Like, do we want to spend a top two pick or top three pick on a center or do we, do we grab a similarly gifted prospect who happens to play a more valuable position? A couple lingering thoughts here to close. One, so Mobley's a, a very good, well-rounded player on both sides of the ball, both sides of the court. But I wonder if because he's a bit more of a passer than he is a shooter, like he's not a shoot-first stretch big. He can shoot, he's just not a shoot-first guy at this point, and that's served him well. He's been a very good player uh, with the approach that he's had, and Enfield actually emphasized to me on a couple of occasions um, how mature he was in the recruiting process and how he was that guy once he got to campus. He, he couldn't overstate that more, and I actually think that's a, a very important part of all this stuff. He wasn't so, – because Mobley has been highly touted, highly ranked for years now, and while it's often no 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 fault of the players, you occasionally you'll get a top five prospect get to campus, and the coach knows you know on a certain level, be it the player or his parents or a you coach or whatever, like they'll just deal with headaches. That was apparently not the case uh, from what I was told with Evan whatsoever there. But the point I'm taking way too long to make is because he's more of a passer than a shoot first stretch big, and because if you had to tilt one way or the other. Better on defense, better on offense. He's a better defender than he is an offensive player at this point. You know, quality rim runner. Are those things going to be what causes him instead of going one to two or two to three or even three to four? Because we've seen what Suggs is capable of. Jalen Green is obviously getting plenty of strong consideration in that top three right now. I just wonder if because he's not yet there offensively as a he's not Durant coming out. He's not not close. I wonder if that what might that does that make him drop? And then my last thought is the one the name that I actually think kind of makes sense for him ultimately that I think he might compare well to if he if he hits this. I gotta be honest, I see more like Chris Bosch than I do Anthony Davis or obviously KD. Um uh, if you give me Chris Bosch, if you tell me Evan Mobley, Parrish, is as good as Chris Bosch, I mean, you've won the draft with your pick because you've selected a Hall of Fame player. He's got to get to that point. Don't know if he will, but I actually like him the most in terms of a comp there. I could see him growing into that level kind of player that Bosch was for a better part of a decade. One last thing, and then we'll get out of here. To your point about the character of Evan Mobley, I- I'm not going to pretend to know him. I've met him. I don't know him. Um, but... I remember you and I in Vegas several years ago now and Evan Mobley was playing in a high profile game that had like the best Nike team against the best Adidas team. And he was on the best Adidas team. And at the time, Mark Fox, who is currently the coach at Cal, he was in between jobs, but he had spent some time a week or two earlier in the summer 
what a lot of coaches who are in between jobs do, like working at camps. And, you know, it gets a way to stay in, in, involved in the game. And then B, wink, wink, it's a way to develop relationships with prospects in case you get a head coaching job again. So Mark, um, I was sitting with him watching this, and he actually pointed to Evan Mobley, and he goes, how much have you seen him? I said, like, more on YouTube than in person, but, like, I'm, I'm aware of who that is and the talent level. And he said, future number one pick in the draft, he's Kevin. He's a future Kevin Durant. And, again, we've discussed that comparison already. But, like, to your point about how well he's been thought of for a long time, like, it's been there for a while. This is the point I, I was trying to make uh, more than that one. Uh, and I said, I said, oh, so you worked with him? He said, yeah, every day. Him and his brother worked with him for whatever period of time. And he said, dream of a young man. No red flags, yes sir, no sir. Terrific young man. And that's always stuck with me because, you know, sometimes when you're evaluating prospects heading into a draft, like you hear some things that are troubling. I mean, like, you know, you hear some things that are troubling. I'll just leave it at that. And it often leads to players being picked lower than you would think or players not being picked at all. Um, by all accounts, whether you talk to Mark Fox or Andy Enfield or basically anybody else, there is none of that with Evan Mobley. He is a terrific prospect who seems to be a high character young man as well. And if you are you know, looking to invest millions of dollars in a top three pick in a prospect, like that's, that's the type of person you want to do it with. Somebody who is an incredible basketball prospect, but also um, a high character young person in, in Evan Mobley for what it's worth, seems to be that. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Royce O'Neal, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it, and we will talk to you again later on this week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.